Uh, my name is Mark Vinson, and I've got the privilege of speaking today. And if, if your heart was resonating with those worship songs, then you're going to get what we're talking about today. You're probably already there. Worship's so critical. So to get going, uh, see if we're on kind of the same page, let me ask you a question that the answer to might be sort of obvious. And if you guys notice that there's it's a fair amount of discord Intention in our society. Anybody notice that? <laughs> you know, it's. Um, I'm looking for a few heads to move because you don't want me to start down the list because it's us and it's it's sad and it's embarrassing. I don't I don't know how you guys feel about it. Probably the most distressing thing about it to me, and it has distressed me deeply, is that it's spread. It, it's, it has spread to every level of society just about that I can see. And the, the part that bothers me the most is the way the discord and the animosity... I mean, we've always disagreed with one another, right? That's, that's okay. That's not that uncommon. But something stepped up to a whole other level. And it bothers me that it's gotten into families. I feel it in my family. You know, it's like um, I'm not quite is comfortable in my home and with my family as I used to be. It's like there's this discord that's so pervasive has spread all the way down to families. So I've got to start off with a confession. I'm part of the problem. I've been part of the problem, at least in my heart. Um, and I'm, I've regretted. I'm so sorry about it. I have fallen prey to... Uh, the us-them mentality. I don't know if anybody else has done that. Somehow you just feel like I'm right, we're right, and they're wrong, and these walls start to come up. And, and I've even been guilty of starting to demonize them in my heart. I hate it. I, 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 I don't. That's not God. I, I don't believe for a second. So where, I mean, how did this happen? How did we get here where there's walls? I don't know if the rest of you are feeling it. I've got to believe many of you are. There's walls between us to some degree, maybe little walls, maybe big, between us and people we really love or really committed to or that we're in community with. Well, kind of thinking back on it, um, I can, I can tell you how it sort of rose up in me over time. I think, I think this is what went on. You know, a sense of offense has kind of risen up in me because I hear things and I see things that I think, that's just wrong. How could anybody think that? How could anybody believe that? Why can't they see the truth? And I let this sense of offense kind of rise up in me, and I began to imagine after a while, I mean, I say it out loud in my mind, but I began to think of other people as if they were my enemy. Um, again, just can't be right. We can get so caught up in what we believe, what we sincerely believe, uh, we can, that's right that, well, Scott gave me a good quote, we can be so right that we're wrong. And I think that's sort of what's happened with me. And I've I got to tell you, I'm deeply disturbed by it. The fact of the matter is I've come to hate it. Now, I know that's, we talked about that last week. Scott pointed out how we don't, that's a word that maybe sets some of us old-timers on edge. But Scott pointed out how godly love actually hates evil. Godly love hates evil. It hates the things that God doesn't approve of. We saw that in Romans 
uh, chapter 12, verse 9. And then digging deeper into that, Scott helped us to see some of the things and a couple of examples of things that God hates, right? And so we as his people should hate. And one of those we saw from Proverbs 16:9 was division, that which stirs up division in our communities. Now that to me resonates with what's with what's been going wrong with me. But this passage we're going to look at today gave me hope. I think it can give all of us hope. And I firmly believe God wants to heal me and enable me to be part of helping others be healed and to pull communities together, not drive them apart. And I think that is something that can, can be available for all of us. I think it's what God wants to do. The question is, are we going to, will, we, will we yield to him? So to put it in context, and Sutton got us off to a good start, remember in this Romans chapter 12 passage we've been studying, here's the most critical part. It started off with the admonition and urging, kind of a desperate plea for us as Jesus' followers to give up control of our life, mindfully give control of our life to the Lord Jesus, lay on the altar, if you will, and let him call the shots for us. I want to see Jesus as totally in control of my life. It's his. It's his. I'm not there, but I, that's what I want. I want to see it that way. And once we make that decision, the Holy Spirit comes, right? The Holy Spirit, when I commit my life to Jesus, I give up, I surrender. Holy Spirit comes, and this weird transformation begins. Many of you, I hope, know exactly what that is. This strange transformation begins. God, by His Holy Spirit, starts to change us from the inside out. And then that begins to manifest itself. Scott's pointed out how we begin to serve others. God gives us gifts. We start to serve others. God helps us to love the way he loves. Now, this week, what we're going to see is that um, there's, this week shows us, the old, I think, the ultimate step in that transformation. It's when our view towards others changes. We begin to see other people very differently. Us and them goes away, no matter what they do. Um, and ill will disappears from our life. And we're going to see, I think, that God wants to radically change us in this regard. So that's the passage we're going to look at today. It's actually Romans. We're going to finish Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21. I think it's on page 1123, if any of you use the church Bible. But I really would encourage you to follow along some way to make sure I don't mess this up. Keep a good eye on me. Um, So I'm going to read this, but I really urge you, I want to give you an assignment. I'm hoping that you will listen to these words with expectation that the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you and start a healing process and you show you things that he will change if you, if you want to be changed and will bow your heart. So um, let me pray for us real quick because I really, that's the most important thing that could happen here today is that we hear this passage and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. So let me pray for that and then I'm going to read the passage, okay? Father, please. Please pour out your grace. Please draw our attention to what you want to say to us. Draw our attention, Lord, to you. Help us to bow our hearts. Help us to hear in this passage the hope and the freedom that's just on the horizon. Give us the ability, Lord, by your grace to hear it. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to be reading from the uh, English Standard Version. This is Romans chapter 12. It's verses uh, 14 through 21. And here it is. It says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by So doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, I hope you're listening. What's the heart? What, What would be the heart behind a person that consistently, regularly, daily lives this out? That this is what characterizes their life. I mean, some obvious things are, I think this is really uncommon. I don't find this to be the way most of us respond at all. I hope I'm just being jaded, but that's my observation. I think it's amazing that this person doesn't have to fight back. They choose not to fight back. I think that's amazing enough, but the passage goes on to say, This person sees their attacker in such a different way that they will seek to do tangible good for them. Refuse to speak evil of them. Seek to do tangible good for them. What's up with that? Um, And I think we can also see in this passage that this person is kind of obsessed with good relationships. They have a heart for unity. They don't feel like things are right when there's animosity and ill will dominating their lives and between them and anyone that they know. So, um, I think God wants us to have that heart. I really believe that. I think he wants us to have just this heart, right? So, there's too much in these verses to really dig into. That would be great, but it would take a long time. So I just want to draw your attention to two high-level truths that I think are woven throughout this passage, right? The first one is this. Followers of Jesus should respond to personal attacks from other people with unreasonable love. We just sang about God's radical love. We respond with radical love. Followers of Jesus should respond to personal attacks from other people with unreasonable love. And the second one is this, followers of Jesus should work at building and maintaining the best possible relationships with all people. It should bother us when there's estranged relationships in our life. Followers of Jesus should work at building and maintaining the best possible relationships with all people. Now, 
I got to say, I'm not there yet, but I want to be. And so to that end, to kind of help me get a better handle on who I want to be, what I, I wrote sort of a paraphrase for myself of this verse, this passage, I mean. I wrote this paraphrase, and you can look at this as my personal faith statement if you want to, but I, I thought this would give you, maybe even would emphasize this difference in who I want to be and who I am now. And maybe this is a way you would want to be too. Let me read this paraphrase of the passage in in kind of the first person. When I feel that someone has attacked me, I will respond with unnatural love from God. Not only will I resist the powerful temptation to strike back in anger and speak ill of my attacker, but I will, by God's grace and power, sincerely hope for the best for them, speak well of them to others, and go out of my way to help them when I realize they have needs. I will be truly interested in what's going on in the lives of others and make time to join them where they are. I really want to live in harmony with others. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, I will reject my prideful faults and embrace the truth that I don't know everything and may well be wrong at times. I will not accept the lie that another person is somehow less than me, no matter what their position in life. When I realize that something is wrong with my relationship with anybody, I will take the initiative and make every effort to restore our fellowship, no matter who's at fault. Like I said, I'm not there yet, but I believe when I get there, as God transforms me and takes me there, I'm going to become a healer in the community. Uh, there'll be no trace of me driving wedges and causing division. I'll be a healer. And um, that's where I really want to be. That's who our, our God is. That's who our Lord is, the ultimate healer. So make no mistake, transformation is required for this. We cannot do this on our own. We may occasionally kind of mimic one of these behaviors briefly, but we cannot do this on our own. It takes miraculous transformation, like Sutton pointed out. We have to be changed for this to happen in our lives. So I think we need to know our desperate need for the Holy Spirit to come and transform us. I think we need to be desperate for it. Uh, Maybe we cry out for it a lot. The heart of it is I need to admit I'm not where I want to be. I need to acknowledge my need And I need to bow to the change. The Holy Spirit's going to be working. I need to bow. And that's repentance, right? That's a form of repentance, and I think it it, it applies here. So um, while I can't say I am um, where I want to be with my heart and these behaviors, I know God's transforming power works. I've experienced it. I want to relate a little story to you, Um, not my best moment, but I'm going to relate a a little story to you that, convinced me and gave me great hope. God will transform miraculously in spite of us. Sue and I were on a camping trip with some people we dearly love. And, um, you know, these are people that I have, we have different political opinions, right? That's, that's fine. That's, that's the way we are. Um, it's okay. But we got into a discussion about politics and my flesh won. And I just 
became distressed. I, you know, the, I, I began to feel like in my imagination that walls were being erected between me and these people I loved. I hated that. I imagined that they would always be there. You know, I just, it, it, um, it was devastating. I, not my best moment, I know, all on me, but still something that happened. And when we, when we went back to the camper that night, I was in such distress. I just wanted to get in my car and go home. I just wanted to run away. Um, again, very childish. I'm not trying to defend that approach, but that's just how I felt. Went to bed that night as distressed as I've ever been in my life, and a miraculous thing happened overnight. I don't, even, I don't remember if I prayed. I don't remember any dreams or visions. There's nothing like that. But I woke up the next morning with a smile on my face, feeling optimistic like God was breaking out, just feeling like something was going to change and that there was hope. And all of a sudden, the world just looked different to me overnight. And when I looked out the back window of the camper, and the image I saw was one I just had to take a picture. Um, I don't know if we, yeah, there it is right there. Now, you'll, that's a fire circle, right? Have you been camping? Know about fire circles. Does one chair look out of position to you? That one that's kind of pushed back as far as it could go without getting out the campsite practically was mine, right? I couldn't get in the car and go home. Thank the Lord he stopped me from doing that. But I did what I could. I could refuse to make a good circle and push back. And I wanted to go back further than that. So I'm, I hang on to this image because I don't want to go back there. And I know God's transforming power is the only thing that's going to keep me from doing it, right? I'll be right back there, even further back from the camping circle. So our brokenness finds a way to mess things up, right, it just, at least to some degree. So in closing, I want to throw out a couple of two challenges for you guys. Um, maybe for some of you, you're... Um, this, something about this resonates with you and you're tired of the division and the animosity and you'd like to be part of a solution. You'd like to have hope. And um, I think, you know, you, you, know that you can make a choice, I think, to um, lean into this passage, lean into the healing that God will provide and um, surrender and see things start to change, right? He is faithful. We can trust him. We need to bow. And there's probably some of you, and this is more specific, that have estranged, estranged relationships, right? And it resonates with you uh, that that's just not, that's not best. That's not where you should be. And so, um, like the passage talked about, doing everything possible to live peaceably and have harmony, Maybe you're, you're ready to put down pride and whatever, whatever it is that's getting in the way. Um, let the Holy Spirit identify those people for you and, and then take steps.